how old were you when you moved to LA? Uh, 34. I mean, I never technically moved here. I still have my New York cell phone number. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> sure. sure. Good to know. <laughs> Did you know anyone here? Yes. I knew people, but a lot of um, New York actors eventually migrate here because it's hard to pay the bills sure. just working in the theater. How much money did you have? I had about negative $30,000. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. I think I was about thirty grand in debt when I came. Where did you live when you first got here? I lived on Curson in a guest house that um, I feel like a lot of actors lived in. It was one of those rotating, like maybe Jake Gyllenhaal rented it and then moved out. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like a lot of struggling <laughs> actors had been there. It was about 100 square feet. And what was your first job in L.A., acting or otherwise? Oh, in L.A. Well, it's funny because I came out here with a lot of New York behind me. My first L.A. job was, I guess, technically standoff opposite Uh Ron Livingston. And what was your initial impression of Los Angeles? Hiking. (laughs) (laughs) Right. How many years did it take you to get your first job in the industry? I'd say two or three, but... I was in New York and it was in New Jersey. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. I think it was a job in the industry. Uh, how many years did it take you of living in LA before you knew what you were doing? I still don't know what I'm doing <laughs> living in LA. And if you had to sum LA up in one word, what would it be? Um, I was going to say magic. Today, we are so excited to welcome Rosemary DeWitt to Speak LA, the podcast. Rosemary, as I'm sure you all know, is an incredible actress. Some of her many credits include the films Your Sister's Sister, Touchy Feely, Rachel Getting Married, Cinderella Man, and the character of Midge Daniels on Mad Men. And we're so excited to Thank have her. You. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being yeah. with us today. I would love to start by just asking you the question, did you always know, like, since you were a kid that you wanted to be an actor, or was that sort of something you discovered? I did know I wanted to be an actor, but there was no reference point for that growing up in my family Uh or in the town that I grew up in, so I think I just Which was what? um, Cedar Knolls, New Jersey, which is like Uh suburban New Jersey. Um, I think there was a kid in head of the class, maybe, that (laughs) went to my high school before me. So I didn't tell anybody. I mean, I did musicals and all that kind of stuff. There wasn't a lot of opportunity for anything other than musicals. And then I just tried to say I was going to do something else until I couldn't deny it any longer. And that was around 24, when I was around 24. What did you do? What, were, what was the other thing you tried to pretend you were interested in doing before? Like nothing. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I was just going to casually do nothing. And then I was, you know, waiting tables and bartending and all that stuff. Uh-huh. In New York City? Yeah. So you went from, you like, talk us through the, like, you went from oh, the high transition. school, and then did you go straight to New York? I to- went uh, with a little detour in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware, with some really amazing dinner theater that I did uh-huh. there. Uh-huh. I'm sure it was. <laughs> I'm, uh, no, I'm sure people would pay a lot of money to see a video of that. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then I moved to New York when I was 23 and started training. Like, I went to college. I went to Hofstra on Long Island, and I studied creative studies, which was like sort of a make-your-own Sunday kind of major. It was very liberal arts, but you could take a class just on Beckett or just oh, on wow. Jack Kerouac. Like, it was one of those college-without-walls programs. But I wasn't doing like conservatory 
type stuff. So when I came to New York, I started I started first at the Lee Strasberg Theater Institute, and then um, they opened the school called the Actors Center, mm-hmm. which isn't really around as a school anymore, but it was amazing. It was all teachers from Juilliard and NYU grad and Yale grad. Wow. So it was sort of wow. us sort of cowboy actors trying to make up our own grad school, you know, uh-huh. just by taking a ton of classes there. How great. Yeah. That yeah, sounds amazing. So when you decided this is what I'm going to do and you were, then what happened? Were you, did you have an agent right away? Did you, were you looking? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if I had an agent when I came to LA. I, I, uh, I remember my a boyfriend at the time got me, you know, a couple like of infomercial auditions with his like teenager agent you know like you were always trying to buck the system and just having someone send you out he used to make calls from our apartment in Astoria and <laughs> tell agents he was my manager and be like she's amazing she's talented she's gorgeous and the guy would be like what is she your girlfriend <laughs> you know like because he didn't know how to pitch an actor on the phone and then I was like freelancing with an agency for a while um in New York and then maybe like they kind of signed me like right before I got out here. But I, I would say it. that was like the bane of my existence for a long time. I was in New York for like 12 years, most of them agentless, which wasn't that much fun. So how'd you get your jobs if you were like hustling, doing a lot of readings, theater, you know, you uh-huh. do theater down, mm-hmm. down, downtown and basements and whatnot. And eventually people get to know you and you start developing relationships with playwrights and other actors and other directors. And then, mm-hmm. You know, and then all you want to do is get an episode of Law and Order. You yeah, know, and then yeah. you check back that box, and then you can come to LA. <laughs> did you check that box? I did uh-huh. finally at Special Victims Unit. Uh-huh. So you checked yeah. that box, and yeah. then that's when you decided. That's not the exact thing, but yeah, <laughs> you were on your after. list of things yeah. to do. What? So that would, I guess, be kind of a significant milestone at that point in your career. It was. Law and Order victims well, unit, and is, then yeah. yeah. So what? Yeah, tell us more about that. Kind of, you know, the journey of the actor is so interesting, and there's yeah. all these kind of milestones along the way that's going to get you your next job. Some and that seem random, some that, seem some yeah. that are more yeah. planned. Yeah, for me, it was never the actual. I think. I mean, there probably were ones I could look back and say, "Wow, that job led mm-hmm. to this job," but for me, mostly it was um, um, like a. a belief in myself that I could do this for a living, which was really hard one and took a really long time. You know, there's probably actors that come out here at 21 and think they're awesome. And that's 85% of it, I think. <laughs> yeah. um, for me and a bunch of actors that I came up with in New York, there was um, this guy, John McCormick, who started out as a part of Naked Angels. Um, and then now runs a, uh, well, and then ran a theater company called All Seasons, which I think might have morphed now into something else. But he fostered a lot of actors, like from Mark Ruffalo, like that was slightly before me, to Missy Yeager, Chris Messina. You know, there were just a yeah. lot of us that he gave us jobs. And, you know, we were working for free and we were also building the sets and painting the flats and finding our own props. But the fact that he just kept creating opportunities for us mm-hmm. to make work, I think, was giving us a belief that we could be actors. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because you're always, yeah. or at least I was always looking outside myself. I was waiting for someone to say, you could do this, because I wasn't that person in high school or college that people were like, you should be an actor. Yeah, you know? yeah so, totally. So, um, and then after a while, I think it might be like that, um, what's that book where it says, like, you log 20,000 hours? Oh, 
Uh, so the tipping point or no. And then you're a master. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you log about 20,000 yeah. hours and then you feel like you deserve an agent. Right. And you which know. I added up at one point and it's like, it's a crazy amount of time. Like it's something like 15 years. Like yeah. the, the, you know, if you really, if, if you're logging those hours, yeah. Yeah. Takes and a long and time. the thing I feel like, and that's the tricky part for me in LA, it's, it was easy to log those hours in New York because there was always someone to, I mean, granted, you wouldn't get paid anything, yeah. but there was always somewhere to make work. And here you can, but because it, it, the industry is film and TV, you do usually need, now it's slightly different with all the digital stuff mm-hmm. and especially the internet. But that stuff doesn't make sense to me because yeah. I didn't come up with it. But, you know, it used to be like, oh, it costs you money to make a movie. Yeah, or, yeah. You know, put up a showcase or something out yeah. here. So that's, it's not, that's the thing I miss about New York is that you're not acting every single day. Yeah. You know, you're waiting for the phone to ring. Yeah. Yeah. But I love that. I love just that you're talking about creating and generating one's own stuff because I think that's so important. And I think something that actors, young actors and new actors get tripped up on is thinking I got to be making money to, to, to feel like I'm legit. But I think what you're saying is no, not necessarily in the beginning. Like it sounds like you didn't, you weren't making money for a long time. You were just trying to act and do it. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like, there's the emotional, the psychological mm. component, and then there's the very real component, I think, but not every actor probably feels this way because there's a million different kinds of actors in having a craft, which sounds so lofty, but um, you just, craft just means like get good at your fucking job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you sure. know, and, yeah. Yeah, and that takes absolutely. a lot of years. And so the bartending, temp jobs, and all that stuff are great you know, to say so that you can pay your rent and afford your cans of tuna fish while right. you get a clue on how to, you know, how to do this. And having said that, I don't negate like people who just have like a raw thing, you know, you can hire an 11 year old. Yeah, yeah. It's really better that they don't have any acting yeah. classes. You know, there's a million ways to do it, but I think if you want to work until you're in your nineties at this business, it's good to know how you work and yeah, to, to work with different kinds of directors and stuff. So yeah, I feel like around maybe, 30 is when you start going, mm, maybe I, I got to quit this bartending job. You know, for real. <laughs> right, you know? But right. there's a different pressure, I think, after movies like Twilight and things where people become so famous mm-hmm, and yeah. so successful before they're of drinking age. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. that, ready almost that I'm sure you have a lot of 24 year olds who are like, I'll never make it. Yeah. Even though everybody's like that. Yeah. At 24. Yeah. Auditioning. Do you like auditioning? Do, do you, what's your, what's your feeling about it? And has it changed over the it's years? It's changed uh-huh. a lot. And when, when I first started, it was the paper was shaking. Uh-huh. I could barely audition, <laughs> which, you know, I'm not immune to it now. It depends on who I'm auditioning for. Now I really like, I used to hate it. I used to try to make up some story that I would be like Marl- Maureen Stapleton, who I remember couldn't audition. And, <laughs> uh, you know, but she still was like a great actress. Uh, now I love it. But that's just because I like to have a shot at the job. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, um, sometimes I get offered some really cool stuff. Mm-hmm. A lot of times if I'm getting offered it, it's really not cool, which is why I'm getting <laughs> offered it. Um, the parts that are, it's not, not entirely true because I played some things that I did not work really hard to get in, re- in the last five years. But most of the things that I'm dying to play, I have to go in the room and fight for. And 
or there's no way chance in hell they'll think I can do it. Mm-hmm. So I would much rather audition and have that opportunity mm-hmm. yeah. because there, I remember this actress, Betsy Adam saying to me in New York, um, we were doing a play together early in my career and, and I was bitching like, I don't have an agent. I can't get an audition. You don't understand if I could just get in the room. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you will, somebody will get in the room. She's like, and then they'll think they know what you do and you'll mm-hmm. only get to do that. So that's oh, what I mean. Interesting. You know what I mean? Like, yes. so yeah. you get offered yeah. or maybe you, have access to the things that people have seen you do mm-hmm. or seen you do well. And then like if I if they were auditioning for like Inglorious Bastards mm-hmm. for a German something, there's they'd be like, she's not right for it. She's too contemporary. She's too uh-huh. American. And you're like, Just let right. me audition. Right. Just let me audition. Right. So in a weird way you feel the exact same way you felt like at twenty one, yeah. except it's very specific. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. And, and you know what you're after and what you're doing. And, yeah. And then there's certain things you don't want to audition for. Yeah. And you feel like, I shouldn't have to audition for that. Yeah. I've done this same part, like, six times already. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, do you have any, like, how do you, or do you have any, not tricks, but, like, ways you talk to yourself before or after an audition that sort of help you get through it or not beat yourself that up? stuff or- has changed, too. I remember I used to do a lot of those... Um, I don't know what they call them out here, but like those classes where you could like a workshop, like an agent. Class. Yeah, yeah. You know workshop. what I mean? And they would tell you, director workshop. Yeah, like they would tell you about the business, yeah. but then you get to do a monologue or a yeah. scene for them. And I remember um, this, uh, he runs Manhattan Theater Club now. He's the head of casting. Uh, David Capriolotis said, you need to kind of feel like you're coming in the bag. Like, I mean, in the room with like a gym bag that has an Uzi in it. <laughs> but the Uzi is just like, my acting teacher thinks I'm really good. You know what I mean? My grandmother yeah. loves me. But like, right. you have to have a, like an arsenal of reasons why you belong in the room mm-hmm. and think you can get the job. Um, and I remember thinking, like, it is good to, like, remind yourself of those before you go in because the, all the reasons you shouldn't get it once you start seeing all the other actors sitting around saying yeah, the parts, it becomes the loudest voice in your head. Right. So, true. God, so that was helpful really early on. Um, and now it's different. Um I think I just work in a different way. So for me, you know, I look maybe at the audition as the beginning of a relationship with somebody. So less oh, of wow. a test. Um, like, That's a will they love way. me, pick me, choose me? You know, that yeah. thing. And more just like, oh, hey, Jen, like, it's good to meet you. Let me take a stab at this material and right. let me, you know what I mean? And so it's a much more That's like good. just a rehearsal um, with someone that you would like to work with, but I don't have to get this job yeah. and life is long and yeah oh that's that's really a good. wonderful way to look at it because it takes a lot of the pressure off of yeah i, I, I don't try to get jobs anymore yeah. because you can't convince people to hire you and especially like actors come in for such a brief time of the process and chances are the writer and the director has lived with the material for so long sometimes years yeah that it's totally their prerogative yeah (laughs) Yeah. you know to have the exact essence the exact hair color the exact everything and then in some realms like if you're auditioning for commercials it's literally just they're going to hold up your polaroid next to the guy mm-hmm. playing your husband next, you know, like yeah. so arbitrary right. that it's, it helps if you just know that it's not about you. I, I mean, love- try to always be good. Yeah. Like try to yeah. always give a good right. take on it. Like but do some work so and be specific attached to, it. to the outcome. Yeah. I love that you're saying you don't try to get jobs and that you say that's evolved over time. But would you say, I mean, it's, do you wish you had always approached it that way? Like if you could go back and be yeah. 20 and audition, would you tell yourself back then, don't try to get the job, just 
just walk in and yeah but you know what and this is the really frustrating thing about like I feel like right now like I'm it's almost like you're trying to speak to a younger actor or like mm-hmm, your yeah. younger self <laughs> you can't you kind of have to walk through fire to know how mm-hmm. to get through fire you know what I mean you yeah. you 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 can't it's great and in theory the things like that that one of the things I'm working with right now that I was in an acting class a mi- literally a million years ago and Olympia Dukakis was teaching the class and she said, the reason we start out being actors are not the same reasons we continue and you have to constantly stop and reevaluate your reasons. Mm. And I'm like, oh, that's where I'm at now. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, why am I doing this? Why am I choosing what I'm choosing? You know, mm-hmm. and, and life stuff when you have kids and stuff that will inform all that. But I feel like things land on you and you hold on to them when they make sense to you. Mm-hmm. And that wouldn't have made sense to me. I just wanted yeah. the job. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it also, honestly, it helps. And this is also the catch 20 true conundrum that you have to audition a lot to mm-hmm. yeah. start to feel like you can audition. Mm-hmm. Cause there's an art to yeah. auditioning that is not the same art to doing the job. And a lot of times the actors who are the best at auditioning are not the best people Mm-mm. to be spontaneous and right you know, playful in the moment. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then yeah. really good casting people. And luckily there's a lot of them working these days start to figure out the difference. Right. The people know? who maybe aren't yeah. great auditioners, but are going to be amazing. Yeah. yeah. And, so, and there's a piece of it too. The older you get and the longer you go in the business, people start to warm up a room for you. So a casting director will oh, say, you're so-and-so. They're not the best auditioner. Oh. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. You know right. what I mean? But work yeah. with them. Give yeah. them direction. Yeah. Or this, and you'll start to see them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you, you know, you had said a little bit earlier about just believing in yourself and knowing I'm a good actor. I can do this, and it yeah. will happen, especially earlier on in your career. So, you know, what would be some advice you would give in terms of, like, auditioning all the time, not getting yeah. the job yet, maybe not even getting a ton of auditions, like starting off slowly, not necessarily, you know, knowing where you want to be, but not even seeing how you're going to get there. You know, how do you talk to yourself as an actor at that stage of your career? Well, I'm sure there's probably a lot of like new agey ways to talk to yourself and things to paste on your mirror while you're brushing your teeth. (laughs) But I like what Jen said about making work because there's something about just using yourself up creatively on a continual basis and I still take acting classes all the time just makes you feel ready at a moment's notice and Mm -hmm. it makes you feel I feel like there's a connection between belief in yourself and deserving yeah I mean and I feel like the more you work you just get you just can't help but feel like yeah I should go in that of course I should and even when it's a scary room and you want to say I don't belong here what am I doing here you know that you just did your 20,000 hours. I mean, for me, that was my secret. That's certainly not a shortcut. And, you know, there are people and everyone has different careers who have to figure that out because they get their first job. You know what I mean? And they have to, they have to sustain it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that my references, by the way, are all dead people or people that are like 200 (laughs) years old, but I think it's like a, like an actor listening now who's 21, you know what I mean? Is 20 years younger than me. So I remember, um, and I used to read all those books and like Philip Seymour Hoffman yeah. giving interviews and Marsha Gay Harden and just everybody. Um, but I remember reading an interview with Jessica Tandy and her husband, Hume Cronin, and I am an actor who has 9,000 notebooks. Like I'm, for, like I'm always working in a notebook. And he said, I don't even think all that work we do bef- in the notebook 
really matters. Like you don't see it in the performance. It just helps you believe that you can show up on set that day. Mm. Oh yeah. So I yeah. think it's just, everyone yeah. has a little thing. tricks and some people yeah. like, they have to go to the gym yeah. before they have yeah. to have, you know, like whatever they do, but you are, you wear your lucky socks or, you know. So, well, I, I had a friend who cast something and I asked him what was the big sort of thing that, that separated the people that they were interested in or the people that did a good job from the ones that were not. And he said confidence. He said, yeah. it didn't all the other stuff that we think about, you know, whether they were off book, whether they, you know, there was a lot of power behind the scene or whatever. He said it was all con- the people that came in that, that were confident mm-hmm. were the ones that they loved. And I think based on what you're saying, it's like those things you're talking about give us the confidence. Like yeah. you write in the journal and you feel, you know, confident and you, or whatever. Or even being put through it. You know, on yeah. the audition process, I had an acting teacher say to me, they call it, you know, when you screen test, um, they call it a test for a reason. Can mm-hmm. you show up on set 12 hour day? Can you do press and show up on set? Mm-hmm. Can you, you know, no one wants mm-hmm. to do that actor who's crying in their trailer. You know, no, because because um, the network doesn't think you look sexy enough, mm-hmm. and they're going to redo your hair and your makeup. Right, right. Like, and I remember for the standoff, my first job out here, I think I had like eight auditions for it or oh, something. Oh man, you did? Yeah, and like I tested, I did like a, a network test, a, a studio test, a chemistry read. Then after all that, they wanted me to come in. They wanted to, they actually physically had to see the gun and the badge on my body. And they wanted me to wear a tight fitting pantsuit with a push up bra. And I went to Victoria's <laughs> oh Secret. She's playing and an and FBI girl, agent. Oh, yeah, well, that's a whole that's other thing. Crazy. And then the girl in Victoria's Secret gave, here's like, here's the bra and here's the instructions. No, the literally instructions. a push up bra. Yeah, but I had like a thing that you had to install. And in But like they just, and it was so clear to me that it was like fitting a, a version of beauty that they wore. Wow. wanted at the time and that they were desperately trying to fit me into and I remember thinking like I'll and not to mention that you're like learning the lines working in the lines getting your hair blown out going like you rip I remember literally being at the tailor and like and this is another thing when I talk about like LA even during that window it's like you run into a dry cleaner to be like I just ripped my skirt I'm going to my audition like sit down baby I'll sew it for you and then they don't charge you you know <laughs> right, what I mean right. there's all this like yeah. they see people like yeah. trying so hard yeah, to yeah, do yeah. things <laughs> um, but yeah but they're tests and yeah. honestly they're good to have because like when you say that like confidence the, it's not even confidence that like you can do A through Z it's just that you can show up yeah. and be yourself yeah. you know what I mean yeah. and bring yourself to the table yeah. because you're never going to do A through Z anyway yeah you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean like none of us yeah. are going to do everything yeah yeah wow. and showing up even when you're afraid to like, yeah, you right. just, that is part of building confidence. But that's, like that's you're a, saying, that's a Woody Allen quote, right? He says, like, showing up is like yeah, 90% yeah, of it. Yeah, that's, yeah. I wanted to ask you about some of the, I mean, speaking of roles that you've played, you, I really think that you always play these really fascinating women characters that are really Thanks. honest and real and gritty, but in a very honest, it just, I, I love, I mean, I love your work, but I also just love the roles that you choose. They're, they're really great. So I'm curious about that. You know, how do you pick the roles that you... Or do they pick you? Or do they pick Has you? Has that happened organically? Yeah. Or have you, have you mapped that out? Yeah. Especially because you do a lot of independent films that are just yeah. wonderful. I mean, I do think they pick you. You know, you it's like anything. You have to... It's like a... 
it's like a goodie bag. You know what I mean? Like, you know, when you go to a birthday party with your kids, like there's going to be stuff in there you like, and there's going to be stuff in there you don't like. Sometimes I feel like I'm actually too precious, but I probably feel that more in my bank account. You know what I mean? Because it hurts my soul deeply sometimes to think about doing jobs that I just feel like I can't even say the words yeah. even if yeah. there was a paycheck yeah. involved. Right. Um, and what do you do in that situation? I just don't go for them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or I just, or I pass now. I, again, but having said that, that's now and I'm 44. Back in the day, I went on anything and everything and I do think that's the right, the, like standoff, mm-hmm. thank God I had eight auditions. That was one, this is back when they used to have those real kind of pilot seasons where mm-hmm. there was tons of material and they were making a million pilots. And I had like three pilot auditions that day. And one of the scenes I had 15 pages of sides and one of them was a drunk scene. And when I got in there, they're like, we're just going to read the first three pages. But I had stayed up till four in the morning working on the drunk scene and didn't even read. And I had a callback later in the day. And so I never read standoff. And I started crying. I called my dad. I was like, and I was like two and a half months into pilot season. I was like, I can't go on another audition. Like, I'm just too tired to even read the script right now. I was up till four in the morning. They wouldn't let me read this. You know, he's like, wash your face, get some lunch, and just go on it. And I was in Santa Monica, and you know, LA was all new to me. And I went and rode the Ferris wheel and played some games in the arcade by yourself yeah and then I oh, that's the, so cute. the ashes and snow exhibit was next door uh-huh. remember and I walked through that and I just was like I don't I can't actually read it like I physically just had probably read like 500 scripts right. again which is a blessing I say this on like right. not complaining right that's right, all right. I ever wanted um and I went in and was reading it you know pre-read and the cast director was like, you know they're having sex, right? Like, cause I had no subtext. So I was just saying all procedural stuff. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, let me just try that again. And then, of course, like, then you take direction. And then as I was pulling out, they must have just really been having a hard time casting the part. My agent called me. She's like, they want to test you. I'm like, fuck you. That's mean. That's mean to do to me today. She's like, no, really. And, like, after I- the pre-read? Yeah. Wow. And I was like, or bring you in for yeah, producer yeah, yeah. or whatever. Yeah, but it was. it was going for it was it was going yeah. further. And it's also for me a lesson because I like to work really hard. Yeah. That it just kind of I look at it now. It just all goes in your actor bank. You can mm-hmm. work a ridiculous amount of time for a um, reading in a friend's living room of Hamlet, but it goes into your bank, and then you go in for the pre-read, and you just kind of flub your way through it. And they see right, meaning you had done yeah, prep on other done stuff. The yeah, fed that. Yeah, yeah. And then you're so just you you're always to, yeah. you can always show up. Like, and yeah. I even feel that way now. They could throw 15 pages at you at the last minute and shoot it, and you'll be fine. Yeah, because you've done the work on something every, else uh, something or whatever. Else. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't always have to be that particular. That's because if awesome. you do it that right. way, you'll kill yeah. yourself. Yeah, right. you will also, also audition for things eight times and not get it. Cool sound guy, Darren. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a question for Ro? I guess any advice for an actor like their first time on set? I'll give you advice that I got from somebody amazing, (laughs) Frances McDormand. The first time going on set is for me was for me so scary, and I made a billion mistakes. But I asked Frances McDormand, who I didn't know, I had met once or twice. Um, and I ran into her at an opening and I asked her that question. I'm like, I have to go do this movie. Could you give me advice? And I had to cry in it and do all these things that I was just really scared to do. And she said to me, and I did it yesterday. I was shooting a friend short film and I, and I still do it now. She said, sit in for yourself. Don't ever let your stand-ins like stand in for you. 
in the beginning. Like later you'll do it because you're tired. You know right. what I mean? Because you're working a lot and you, and you don't need to. Wow. Because you need to spend as much time on that set. And I, it was a, and I could tell the director and the other actors thought it was crazy because I would never get up. I'm like, no, I'm good. You know what I mean? And it was like an 18-hour day. But I wasn't, by the time they were rolling, you can't, you can't be nervous sitting somewhere for 18 hours. But if you keep going back to your dressing room, you know, or your trailer, your honey wagon, whatever you have, and then come back out, your nerves are going to kick in. That's so awesome. Just stay on set. I, for, for anybody listening who maybe doesn't, totally know what she's talking about a stand-in sits in for the lead actors while the all the actors all the actors while the lighting people set up the lights and and then the actors come in at the very end right before they turn on the cameras so I love that she said so sometimes it could be probably an hour or two where you're sitting there but even now I literally I'm finishing it tonight I'm shooting a friend student film and they had one of the PAs, because you know, it's so low budget, they don't have a stand-in, sitting for me. I'm like, oh, I'm going to come in here now. And I'll sit for like a half hour and just be like, okay, this is the bar. This is what the bar seat feels like. Like oh, you don't want to. That's so great. That's such a and great. And especially if you ever get a big job, you'd be crazy. Yeah, and you're grounding yourself. Not to. Yeah, and also it's just great. you talk to the director. You get to know the DP. You you're see. comfortable. Yeah, because on that job, I will also say, it was Cinderella Man with Ron Howard. I would start oh. acting before they yelled action. Because I didn't even know about action. You know what I mean? Because I was coming in the theater and he's like, honey, you have to wait for me. Like, I will cue you. Don't worry. I will tell you when to stop. And then, like, the guy would have, like, an amazing camera move, the DP. And I would duck out of frame because I thought I was in the way. Like, I did so many. You do a million things wrong. So, oh my God. I love that. That's Bro, a, thank that's you, guys. Oh, thank you so thank much you. for being here. We would love to end with one quick question, which is sure. just we, we like to ask, ask people if they have any kind of LA as we call them, which are like a phrase or word that, you know, we say here that maybe you didn't know before you came. Zhuzh. Like <laughs> when you say, like someone's going to audition, be like, what time's your audition? And they're like 12. I'm like, I'll send you some zhuzh. Oh yeah. <laughs> zhuzh. I love <laughs> That's zhuzh. That's great. Well, we are so Thank appreciative. You. Thank this you so much for listening you guys and next time we are talking to the great george went be sure to join us thank you so much bye